0: Chapter 18 of The Lady in Blue by Augusta GRONER translated by Grace Isabel Colbron. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Back in the Ivy Cottage. On the morning of June 10th, Mueller was back in his own home. After a hasty breakfast, he wrote a few words on a card and addressed them to Professor Walter Thorne. Then he got into the waiting cab and drove to the Woolworth house, leaving the card to be given to Professor Thorne as soon as he arose. The detective drove on out towards the suburbs. At the foot of the red hill, he called to the driver to halt. Wait here, he said as he got out and walked slowly up the hill. It was another glorious morning, as fresh and fragrant as when he had passed that way a few days before. But Mueller's heart was sad and heavy, and he scarcely seemed to see the beauty around him. He paused by the blossoming apple tree and again put out his hand. Then he dropped it, shook his head, and went on for about a hundred paces he halted again turned back and walked quickly to the tree he cut off three of the most beautiful blossom laden twigs and nodded to them with a sad smile in his eyes his lips were tightly set as he neared the lower cottage he saw the young composer standing at the window the detective paused half hidden by a bush and studied the man who stood there yes there was pride and firm determination on this handsome face this man could live up to his ideals even though it cost him dear, there was a hint of passion, too, noble passion, that might well carry him away at times and lead him into a deed which he had not sought. Lore was staring out at the distant sky. His eyes were grave and sad, his pale lips pressed tight together. As Mueller watched, another figure came to the window, a woman's figure, tall and graceful. On her arm, Tony Lore carried a child. A pale, frail little creature, its eyes hidden behind a green shade. The little head drooped onto its mother's shoulder. She bent over it and kissed the soft curls. Then she put her free arm around her husband's neck. He started up from his sad thoughts, and their eyes met in a long look. Hubert Lore put both his arms around his wife and child and caught them to him with passionate pressure. It was at this moment that Mueller came out from behind the bush and walked toward the little house. Lore saw him and smiled a welcome. He was at the garden gate before Mueller could touch the bell. You've been to Venice? He asked as they walked through the little garden. Yes, I have just returned. It was wrong of me to let you go. I should not have done it. Oh, no, Mr. Lore, it was quite natural. They were in the room now. Tony had sunk down onto a chair. Her face was ghastly pale as she held the baby closely to her. She nodded to the detective without a word. Mueller crossed quickly to her and handed her the blossoming apple twigs with a kindly smile. The young woman smiled too, but great tears ran down her cheeks. Lore was the calmest of the three now. The natural color had come back to his cheeks as he pushed forward a chair for Mueller. Hubert Lore was one of those strong characters who have too much self-respect and dignity to fight the inevitable, and who have self-respect and dignity enough to follow the dictates of their own conscience always the three sat around the table in the ivy-shaded corner tony still held the apple blossoms in her hand and beyond their pink haze her pale face shone transfigured by the look of devotion in her eyes as she turned toward her husband madonna of the apple blossoms thought Mueller. then you thought it natural that i did not speak at once continued laura calmly well you understand the impulse of self-preservation you must meet it often enough in your work it is a natural instinct Replied Mueller. As you say, I meet it always in every case. If you had not come back, come back to me, which shows me that you know all, I should have written Faulkner at once. I have reproached myself bitterly that I should have caused him any annoyance or possible excitement, and I have written a letter already, a letter to police headquarters. Here it is, Mr. Mueller. It contains all information that you and the authorities need. Hubert! Tony, Tony, dear, don't break down now when you have been brave so long. I suppose you know, Mr. Mueller, Laura turned to the detective again, that it was my wife who covered my tracks, protected me. I fear it will cost her dear. That, too, was quite natural and comprehensible, said Mueller as he slipped the letter containing Laura's confession into his pocket. But now, tell me, how? How did it ever happen? That I killed Elise? Laura drew a deep breath. May I go back a little? It will be easier to understand, and I want to tell you the story from the beginning. Look at our little girl here his voice was very serious now you see how ill she still is how frail and delicate she is threatened with blindness as a result of scarlet fever and we are very poor i give lessons and my wife embroiders for a linen shop but all we can do is to keep this very modest roof over our head buy sufficient food and the most necessary clothes for ourselves everything else is a luxury that is beyond us the few pretty things you see here are presents from my pupils I am paying for my piano on installments. You can easily see how an illness would take the very last cent that we have saved. Our little Rosie fell ill, and we were soon at our wits' end. Then Tony told me that her mother had written her, saying she would take the child for a few months. My mother-in-law lives in a little town in the Enns Valley. She has a small annuity, just enough for her to live on. The doctor told us that Rosie must have a change of air, and that a few months in the mountains might set her up again. My mother-in-law was willing to have both my dear ones with her for the summer. We hoped that our little girl would be so strengthened by the change and the good air that she could endure the operation that might save her eyes. You can imagine how happy we were at the chance. Tony and Rosie left here on May 2nd. We had arranged that we should write to one another about twice a week. Tony's letters came from ends, as I expected. So you can imagine my surprise when, on May 28th, I received a letter from my wife written from Salzburg. It contained a confession that she had been deceiving me, and that while Rosie was in ends with her grandmother, Tony herself was in Salzburg. It seems that during the last days of April, when we were both in deep despair about our little girl, my wife received a letter from Elise. The latter told her, in spite of all I had said to prevent it, she had promised to marry Walroth. The baron had hired a house for her in Salzburg, where she was to spend the summer, and she wanted someone with her, as she was afraid she would be terribly bored. Woolroth was very jealous and insisted that she should cut loose from all that had been her life for the past two or three years. As she had not seen Tony since we were married, my wife knew nothing of what Elise had been doing these last years. That was exactly what the latter wanted. She asked Tony if she could come to her without my knowing it, for Elise knew I would never consent. In return for this, Elise offered to bear all expense that might be incurred for Rosie's operation and recovery. Lore paused when he reached this point. Mueller took up the story. I understand. Your wife accepted this offer, as any good mother would have done in her place, and she even consented to deceive you for the sake of her child. It was she who induced her mother to write that invitation that she might be earning the money to pay Rosie's board. She took the child to her mother in Enns, then went on herself to Linz, where she met your sister. Is that right, Mrs. Lohr? Tony nodded. Yes, she said low, but I insisted on being called her maid, not even a companion. I thought there'd be less danger of anyone noticing me then. Your sister in law met a man in Linz? asked Mueller. Yes, he was her lover. But he did not see you. I was only the maid. He scarcely noticed me. Yes, he told me. I met him. He was the usual sort, the sort women of that kind are apt to choose for the lover, but not for the husband, said Mueller then you were with your sister-in-law from the first of may and you wrote to your husband sending the letters from ends with your mother's help yes until i became so utterly disgusted with elise's rottenness that i could endure it no longer we had a serious quarrel one day i told her that hubert was quite right in his insistence that walroth should be saved from a marriage with her by force if necessary and that i could not stay with her any longer she pretended to be terribly repentant and told me that I ought to realize it was not easy for her to find her way back into a respectable life. She asked me if I would stay a few days longer, until she found someone to take my place. She insisted that I must keep the two hundred gulden she had already given me for Rosie, and then we made plans for my departure. You were talking that over out in the garden, cut in Mueller. The others looked at him in surprise. Tony nodded and continued. But the very next day I found her writing a glowing love letter to Goldie Boy, and kissing the violets he had given her when they parted. That was too much for me. I brought the hundred gulden I still had left from the money she had given me, laid it down in front of her, and then, then I wrote my husband. Mrs. Lohr sighed deeply, covered her face, sobbing. Lohr took one hand gently and held it in his own. You did quite right, Tony, he said. You couldn't imagine it would turn out as it did. It was on the receipt of that letter that you went to Salzburg? asked Mueller of Lohr. Yes. He replied, I arrived about five o'clock on the twenty ninth of May. Tony hadn't told me where they were living any more than to speak of the gray house. But I found that this name was quite sufficient. I met them both by the river bank near the house. They were both equally astonished and even a little frightened. Don't make any fuss. Don't let anyone know was Elise's first request. I was perfectly willing to keep the whole matter quiet. I know how violent I can be when I'm really angry. I remember this and try to keep calm i acquiesced in their arrangement that i should be smuggled into the house unseen for elise did not want any talk or gossip that might come to walroth's ears and so your wife went back put in muller ostensibly to get a forgotten feather boa but in reality she opened the side garden gate and the side door of the house tony nodded to this her husband continued with some effort elise and i went into the house from the riverside tony was waiting for us for me in the meadow we had planned to meet there. Muller sat up very straight. Then you quarreled with your sister? Yes, I reproached her for having drawn Tony into a lie by appealing to her love for her child. Then she offered me money, much more than Tony had returned to her. I told her not to say another word about that. I would not touch her money, I said, but I would insist that she break her engagement with the Baron. If she did this of her own free will, I would not tell him anything. But if she did not, I would open his eyes as to her character and her life. In my growing excitement, I had snatched up something which I turned and twisted in my hands. You know how one does it. It was not until a second or two later that I realized that what I held was a sharp-pointed antique dagger which had been lying on the desk. Not until the very last minute, in fact, was I conscious that I held the dagger. I told Elise that if I could prevent it, no Walroth should ever stain his name by marrying a woman who broke all her promises, who was planning even now to deceive him when she should be his wife. "'planning to drag him down into the mire where she dwelt. "'Don't be absurd,' she screamed at me. "'Walworth isn't particularly brilliant, "'but he's got sense enough not to expect an actress to be a saint. "'I do not intend to give him up, and he will marry me, "'for he's hopelessly in love with me. "'All your intriguing won't do you any good. "'I'm not deceiving him. "'He knows perfectly well whom he's marrying, "'just as you knew whom you married.' "'She spoke these last words with an ugly sneer, "'but they ended in an inarticulate murmur. "'For for i had already struck her down in my insane rage hubert lor's face was pale but he sat quite still as if in complete control of mind and body muller was much more excited he leaned forward eagerly laying his hands on lor's knee then you struck her down because she insulted your wife's name the flash in his own eyes woke an answering gleam in tony's but lor shook his head decidedly no mr muller he said calmly That isn't how it was. I know that that fact could be used as extenuating circumstance to shorten my term of imprisonment, but I prefer to stay by the truth. How could I hide behind a mere word? Why, I wouldn't dare look my wife in the face if I should save myself in that way after what she has done. No, Mr. Mueller, self-preservation is all right, but it must not ruin the best in us. Last evening my mother-in-law brought our little Rosie back to us, for we wanted to see her once more, and we talked it all over we both decided that we must give up this foolish hiding. It is unworthy of us. In the letter which I gave you just now is Tony's confession too. Thank God that I got it out at last, exclaimed Tony, while her husband continued. Yes, thank God. I can tell you, Mr. Mueller, that my degradation began with all the hocus-pocus that was necessary to hide my deed. As to the deed itself, I do not repent it. I would do the same again under the same circumstances. That can't hurt me, the inner me. I did not kill Elise in my anger at her insulting words about my wife. Nothing that she could say can harm Tony. What made me mad and blind with rage was the absolute truth of her assertion that Edward Walroth was hopelessly in love with her, and that he would marry her in spite of all I could do. Her tone and manner as she said this put her on the level of any courtesan of the streets who knows her power over the lowest instincts in man. It was that, the thought of the degradation she had brought to our honest family, and the degradation she was to bring to the family to whom I owe so much. I struck out blindly. I had the dagger in my hand. I knew it when I struck. That is all that you need to know. Lor rose. We can go now, can we not? His wife rose, too, and stood beside him. I'll be ready in a few moments, she said, although she caught at her husband as if to save her from falling. No, no, we don't need you now replied Lore as he pressed her gently down into the chair again. We can let you stay with Rosie for a while yet, can't we, Mr. Mueller? You won't run away. We can't run away. It's only the hardened criminal who can escape. Lore kissed his wife and child and took up his hat. I am ready, Mr. Mueller, he said with a touch of impatience. Mueller was on his feet too. Yes, Mrs. Lore, you must stay with your little girl, he said, and if you permit it, I will look in now and then to bring you news until you see your husband again. Tony Lore rose, controlling herself with a strong effort. She went to the door with her husband, kissed him once more, laid the little girl in his arms for a moment, and held out her hand to Mueller. You are so kind, she said low. Stay with him. Don't forsake him. She went to the window again, and parting the ivy, looked out after them, as she had that other day. But this time she was strong. Ten minutes later, Mueller and Lohr were in the cab, which set out rapidly toward the city. Lore leaned back, absorbed in his own thoughts. Suddenly, he looked out of the window. How is he driving? he exclaimed. This isn't the way to police headquarters. We're not going there, replied Mueller calmly. Where are we going? To the Walroth mansion. Hubert Lohr sank together. Why? he exclaimed. Why must we? It will be for the best, returned the detective, and... And when you do give yourself up, it will be much better to do it in Salzburg. You'll save yourself a lot of trouble and time. Yes, but suppose I escape on the journey. I'm not afraid. If you hadn't intended to give yourself up, you would not have given me the written confession, which is now in my pocket. No, I'm not afraid you'll run away, but I'll go with you. It's an all-night journey in the train, and one's nerves do break down sometimes. I want to help you to return unharmed to your loved ones you must have the courage to live for such a woman dear lord what a woman lor could not help smiling at this and held out his hand to his wife's elderly admirer and she put one over on me too said muller more cheerily in all the long years of my career it has never happened to me before that i had my mind fixed on one certain person and yet talked to that person without knowing it without recognizing my prey Mrs. Lore is the only one who can say that she completely fooled Joseph Mueller. I can understand how she would be the woman to regain her self-possession so soon after the deed. But you yourself were very calm. Do you think so? Said Lore. I know it. You could not have conceived the masquerade and carried it through otherwise. I had to do something to save Tony and myself. We had to make it look like a suicide. They still think it suicide, the press and public. But you found it out. "'Yes, you threw the dagger from you in your first excitement and horror. "'I alone found the mark where it had fallen. "'There were a few other little mistakes, too.' "'I do not doubt it,' said Lore. "'They were quiet after that until the wagon stopped in front of the Woolworth house. "'Muller asked the servant who opened the door whether he could see Professor Thorne at once. "'I have orders to take you to him at once,' said the man, "'and added with a look of interest, "'He's all excited.' Mueller did not heed this last remark, but passed on quickly up the stairs. Thorne was waiting for them, and held out his hand eagerly to Mueller. But his eyes were turned on the good-looking man who came in quietly behind the detective. "'Your card certainly excited me,' said the painter. "'You wrote me that you had discovered the man we are seeking.' "'Discovered him and brought him right with me,' replied Mueller. "'Here he is.' Thorne gasped, and the detective continued calmly. Let me introduce Mr. Hubert Lohr, Elise Lehman's stepbrother. In him you will learn to know one of those rare human beings who have the courage to follow the promptings of higher morality, even though it may bring them into conflict with the letter of the law. Mr. Lore, this gentleman is Professor Walter Thorne, Baron Walroth's cousin. As I have already told you, it is entirely his fault that there was any investigation of this case, but do not blame him for it. He, too, was only following the promptings of his conscience. Lore stood quietly with a sad smile. Smaller matters did not seem to touch him now. He turned wearily to the painter who stood staring at him, still bewildered. "'Yes, Professor, Mr. Muller is speaking the truth. I killed my stepsister. Killed her in a moment of insane anger, with the mad thought that I must prevent the disgrace and unhappiness she would bring to this house. You may not know how much I owe this family.' "'Yes, yes,' replied Thorn. "'holding out both hands to Lor, "'I do know something of it. "'You are wonderful, wonderful.' "'Who are you raving at now?' "'asked Walroth, coming in. "'Oh, Lor, you're here. "'I can understand my cousin. "'Yes, you are wonderful, "'for you have the courage to tell the truth.' "'I have always told the truth, Baron. "'Oh, if you had only believed me.' "'Walroth looked at Lore surprised, "'but staggered back against the table "'at the young composer's next words. "'For then I would not have needed "'to kill Elise.' The four men sat together in earnest conversation for nearly two hours. Finally, Mueller spoke. This is a case out of my private practice. I am not compelled to give an accounting to anyone except you two gentlemen who have engaged me. My conscience certainly does not compel me to sacrifice this man. Here he laid his hand on Lohr's shoulder and the wonderful woman who loves him to sacrifice such people to a paragraph of law. No one else will discover the true trail and the few who know that there is a trail to follow well i do not mind that they shall think i have failed this time i can afford it as far as i am concerned mr lor you will have no further bother about this matter i shall say nothing said thorn and i am willing that it shall rest right here said walroth but lor shook his head i thank you all so much oh so very much he began and were my wife not just what she is i might accept your silence but I must refuse it, even with deepest gratitude, for neither Tony nor I will be happy until we have done what the law demands. We must be free of this horrible secret that is hanging over us. I am going to Salzburg today. Then we need stay here no longer, said Mueller calmly as they all rose. Take my cab and go back to your wife. I will call for you this evening. And tomorrow my mother and I will call on your wife, Lor, said Walroth, who was beginning to show the strain of these last hours. He held out both hands. You need have no further care for their welfare until you return to them. The Wolroths too, know what it is to be grateful. End of chapter 18